You're now listening to The Nest on Tap, conversations to encourage parents to make informed choices about healthcare and embrace parenting as a tool to change the world, one diaper at a time. Here's your host, Katie Demota. Okay, welcome to our very first Nest on Tap speaker event. We're so excited to have you all, and we're very excited to welcome our very first um, expert speaker. Dr. Chelsea Lynch is a physical therapist and a pelvic rehabilitation specialist. After graduating in 2011 with her doctorate from Northern Arizona University, she moved to Grass Valley and she began practicing here. She works with men and women of all ages on orthopedic and pelvic conditions, including incontinence, prolapse, and pelvic pain. She has extensive training in Pilates-based physical therapy and is a nationally certified Pilates teacher. She's passionate about health and aims to improve each patient's quality of life through education, exercise, and manual therapy. Using evidence-based treatment, Chelsea helps her patients live happier, more independent, and empowered lives. And we are so happy that she resides here in Nevada County with us. And if you've ever been to the nest, she's now in our nest space, and we're overjoyed to have her um, helping us stay alive during these times. And today she's going to talk to us um, all about pelvic floor health. So I'm going to pass the microphone to her, and she's going to talk with us. When she's done, we'll open up the forum to questions, and you're welcome to raise your hand or speak up, or you're also welcome to chat those questions to me, and I will pass them on to Chelsea. So Chelsea. Thank you, Katie. Thank you. Uh, I'm Chelsea Lynch. I am coming to you live from The Nest, which is now The Nest slash Ponderosa Physical Therapy. So things look pretty different around here. Uh, I still have, there's lots of toys, there's changing tables, but now there is a beautiful Pilates reformer and it looks looks quite a bit different. Uh, and we're up and running. So first I'd like to tell you a little bit how about how I decided to become a pelvic physical therapist. I knew back in undergrad that I wanted to work with women I wanted to empower them to live healthy and active lives. And I thought about maybe becoming a a doctor or a nurse, um, but then realized I didn't want to do anything in the middle of the night. I really liked that eight to five kind of job. And so I shadowed a pelvic health physical therapist. And there was this patient, and I got to watch her journey with this physical therapist. She was a young woman. She was really vibrant. And... Fun, um, but she had a whole mess going on downstairs. She couldn't run without leaking, and it was just really affecting her life so much. She couldn't run after her kids, she couldn't run to catch a bus without having leaks. And she also couldn't have sex with her partner. And she was totally in love, and this was a really important thing, and it just was so hard on her relationship and so hard on her soul that she couldn't do this thing that she really wanted to do. And so I got to watch her journey. And by the end, she could run to the bus without wetting her pants. And she had a really pleasurable, fun, sexual relationship with her partner. And I thought, this is it. This is what I want to do. 
these issues are just so important and so big. These are, this is how I want to try to help people. And so I've been on this path for nine years now. Um, and in that nine years, I have started my business, but also had two little children of my own. So now I've experienced in, in my body all of the wonderful, scary, horrible changes that happen when you, um, when you grow your family. Uh, and so now I can speak professionally about these issues, but also personally because, because I've been there. So my two little kids are the light of my life. They are three and a half and five and a half. I have a little boy and a little girl and they're, they're wonderful, healthy kids. So I want to give you the rundown of what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, and think about your questions because I definitely want to hear from you guys and talk about things that are specific to you and your bodies. So first I want to tell you what the pelvic floor is and the important functions that it performs. Then I want to talk about kegels and whether or not you should do them. Like what is the scoop? Like everybody's talking about kegels all the time. Are they real or not? So we're going to go into that and we're all going to practice. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about pregnancy and what happens with your pelvic floor during that time. And then also talk about postpartum and some common things that can happen pelvic floor wise. And then lastly, I want to give you a kind of basic how to take care of your pelvic floor program so that you can be the healthy, active, excited moms and women that, that you are. I want you to live your, your best pelvic floor life. These are the goals. So jumping in, what is the pelvic floor? So here's my pelvis model. So the pelvis, you can think of it as a bowl. So it sits on the body like this. If you look down from the top, all that red stuff, that's muscle. That is the pelvic floor. If you look from the other side, you can see that there's these little muscles here. These are the superficial muscles of the pelvic floor. But these big guys here, this is what we're talking about. So the technical name is the levator ani. You could also call it the Kegel muscles. And the functions, they're big, they're important. So function number one, your pelvic floor keeps stuff in. So the stuff is poop, pee, gas. Squeeze it, keeps it in. The other important function, relaxes. Pelvic floor relaxes to let stuff out. And you want that to happen at socially appropriate times. Another very important function is supporting your organs. So pelvic floor gives you lift. It supports your internal organs and a baby. If you're growing a baby in there, you want to have that upward, upward support. Uh, the last function of the pelvic floor, it is really important for your sex life. So there's a lot of nerves down there. Nerves give you sensation, and that sensation can lead to orgasm. So big bonus with pelvic floor there. When you have an orgasm, your pelvic floor contracts. contracts. And it's an involuntary contraction. It's kind of rhythmic, and it feels really good for you, and it can feel really good for your partner. So all of these functions... Super, super, super important. And this is why I want you to love your pelvic floor and appreciate it because this is like big, deep, important issues. And why I want your pelvic floor to be super healthy so that you can do all these, these awesome things. Uh, moving on to the Kegel discussion. So 
Kegels. You could say Kegels. It's all the same thing. It's a pull up and in right at the opening of the vagina. So I want everybody to take your hand, and I can't, I can't see any of this, and I want you to put your hand right on your perineum. So you can be, you're sitting on it. I'm doing it too. And I want you to do your best kegel. So pulling up and in. You can think about lifting away from the seat beneath you, and you should be able to feel your muscles draw in a little bit. So everybody with me here? So if you're doing that, and your head is bobbing like this, you see my head? That means you're squeezing your butt. That is not a kegel. So a butt squeeze, your butt muscles are on the outside of your pelvis. That's not going to help keep the pee in. So we want that deeper squeeze from the inside. So no, no head bobbing. So I'm going to cue you all now on some quick contractions. So these are your one second holds. So here we go. Ready and squeeze and rest. Squeeze and rest. Looking good. Keep going. Squeeze and rest. One more time. Squeeze and rest. Excellent. So those are your quick kegels. They're really important for something like a cough or a sneeze. You gotta be able to find your muscles, seal everything off while there's that downward pressure. So now we're gonna try a long one. So everybody squeeze and hold it. So you're pulling up and in and you're breathing while you do this. Keep going for three, two, one, and relax. So if you are on the trampoline, you're gonna need that endurance contraction. It's got to be strong and be able to last the whole time you're up there bouncing. So if you were doing a pelvic floor program, well, we're going to talk about this more at the end. I want you to do some quick ones, and I want you to do some of those longer ones. If you can stop your flow of urine, that's the same idea. That's using those muscles to grip, seal things off. And that can be a useful test but I don't want that to be your routine exercise regimen because it's just too confusing for your bladder to stop and start and stop and start. So do it once to see if you can do it, um, but don't have that be your primary exercise time. So now, should you even do this? Like, is this important? Is, what, you know, is this all what it's hyped up to be? And this is a very complicated question. So if you are someone with pain, you shouldn't be doing kegels. So if you're someone that you had your baby, you fell or you fell on your tailbone, something happened, your baby broke your tailbone as it came out and sex is really painful, you don't wanna be doing a bunch of squeezes. That's just too much. Um, other people that I wouldn't want to um, be doing pelvic floor contractions like this, maybe if you have a history of constipation and that's, it's really difficult for you to relax, to let stool out, or if you have a really hard time starting your flow of urine. So we, we lovingly in the physical therapy world call these patients the tight asses of the world. So if you're that anal retentive kind of person, you should not be doing kegels. So if, if this is kind of ringing some bells for you, uh, what I'd like you to do is go see a pelvic PT that can really check out your muscles and make sure that you have the skills to contract when you need to and then relax at rest. And once we can clear up the tailbone pain, the pain with intercourse, the, the bowel issues, then we'll set you off on a pelvic floor program.
program. We'll have you do strengthening exercises, but we've got to kind of work out some of that other stuff first. So I like to think about, um, you know, the pelvic floors are just, they're just muscles. And if you were um, working out a muscle all day long, let's say you were doing bicep curls all day or carrying your weight with you all day long, you would have a really sore arm and it wouldn't work very well for you. And that's the same thing with your pelvic floor. So if you end up in grippy mode all the time, that's going to kind of be a vicious cycle with some of those pain issues. Um, so if you have more questions about that, if you think you might, wanna, might be one of our tight asses of the world, come check with me first. So the, the right kind of people to do pelvic floor contractions are healthy people that want to maintain their strength. So if you're not really leaking and everything's pretty hunky-dory, you should be doing some kegels. Not a lot, but some every day, just a few minutes worth. And we'll talk about that more at the end. Um, so if you're just a regular old healthy gal, you should be doing some. They're not that fun. They're not that interesting, but they should be part of your regimen. And I think of them kind of like brushing your teeth. Like that's not that great. You don't get excited about it, but you do it and you don't complain about it. And this is how I think the pelvic floor exercises should be for most people. If you are someone who you think you might be weak, so that oh, someone who's weak might be leaking urine, they might feel heaviness or pressure, kind of like a falling out sort of feeling, or you had your baby recently and you just know that you, you haven't been as active as you used to be. Those are the folks that need to give your kegels a good college try. You got to do them every day. And it will take a, about a month, four to six weeks to really start to feel like, yeah, I'm getting more oomph. I'm getting stronger down there. Um, so those are your number one candidates. So in summary on the whole big kegel um, controversy, if you're weak, you should be doing them. They're a very important thing. If you're a healthy person, you should be doing a few every day, not a lot. But if you're someone with pain or thinks that you're in the grippy camp, see a pelvic physical therapist first, and then we'll make sure that um, you're ready to get into strengthening once we've got your coordination kind of worked out. So moving on to pregnancy. So when you are pregnant, it is very important to stay active and exercise. And there's a lot of really great reasons for this. So reason number one, I want your pelvic floor strong and your core strong. So your pelvic floor is part of your core so that you can be active and have a baby. So delivering a baby is a super physical task. And the healthier you are going into it, the better you're labor is going to be. I want you to stay active because if you're stronger, you're going to have less pain. So when you're pregnant, the, the hormone relaxin makes your whole body really loosey-goosey. And so I want you to have strong muscles to help give you support. So the muscles of your pelvis will help keep everything feeling good. Help with back pain, help with hip pain. I want you to stay active for your mental health. You're going to feel better if you move your body. And I want you to be active for your baby. Your baby's going to be healthier if you're getting exercise. So these are all the big reasons. Doing kegels is part of that to help keep that your grip so that you can keep that urine in as best you can. But it's kegels are not the, the most important thing during pregnancy. 
We want you up and moving and in the world, getting your blood pumping. When you're delivering your baby, it's super important that you relax your Kegel muscle. So, you know, when you're pregnant, it's not the time to like start doing 2000 Kegels a day. That's not the point. The point is you got to relax to let that baby out. In the, at the end of your pregnancy, that's a good time to start manually, physically working on relaxing those muscles. So I recommend during that third trimester, taking your thumb, inserting it into your vagina, getting lots of lube going, or you could do this in a bath, and do some sweeping motions and a little bit of gentle stretching just to give those, keep those tissues pliable. So you could do this with your own hand. You could have a partner assist you with this if that's something that interests you. Or one really fun option could be having lots of sex. So if you're somebody where that's sounding good to you and you're having hormones and blood flow down there that make you in the mood, go to town. That's the, I think that's like the most exciting way to stretch those muscles before birth. And it's going to keep your joints limber and go to town. That's, that's my, one of my favorite suggestions right there. And then when you're in the delivery room, you're thinking, open, relax those pelvic floors. You're just telling yourself, okay, I'm going to poop. I am pooping. I think that's one of the best cues ever to relax and let stuff out. So that's the scoop on pelvic floor during pregnancy. Things get a little bit more interesting postpartum. So you had your baby. You have a healthy, beautiful, wonderful baby, but your pelvic floor has been through quite the journey and your pelvic floor can handle it. You can handle it. We are built for this, but it is a lot of um, mechanical stressors, mechanical changes that happen. Um, I do want to pause for a second here because I forgot one thing about pregnancy that I, that I want to mention. So backing up just for a second. During your pregnancy, there's going to be a day when your pelvic floor gets overpowered by the mechanics. That baby's going to be so big and your bladder's going to be so full and that sneeze is going to be so big, it's just going to happen. So don't hold it against yourself. Your pelvic floor is strong and healthy. It's just sometimes it can't handle it. So with my, with my second pregnancy, I, I developed morning sickness like halfway through. And so I'd be throwing up and peeing my pants, and it was the absolute pits, but it had nothing to do with my pelvic floor being weak. It was just like, okay, this is just too much. So don't beat yourself up when there's leaking that happens because it's just, it's just part of the journey. All right, so back to postpartum. So you, you had your baby. If you have a cesarean, it's sometimes people think that your pelvic floor is going to get kind of like um, – your pelvic floor is going to be just totally fine because you had a cesarean. And I think that can be a surprise for people. So if you have a, you're in your labor and you end up having an emergency C-section after you've been pushing for four hours, your pelvic floor has been through a lot. And then you have your abdominal incision and it's all going to be okay. And you're going to be able to heal. Um, but you do have to kind of give your pelvic floor some extra love and attention because it did have a lot happen to it too. If you have a vaginal delivery, some things can happen like a tear and tears are, um, 
doesn't mean you did anything wrong. It's just mechanics. I'm still blown away to this day how something so big comes out of something so small. And if you do get a tear, you want it to be kind of jaggedy. That's good. You know, in the, in the good old days, they'd do a lot of episiotomies. They'd cut this nice clean line. And what they found is that if you're, if they tore it, it was kind of a jaggedy tear. It would heal better. So don't, you know, if that happens to you, it's going to heal up. It's going to be okay. Hemorrhoids are a thing that can happen too to your pelvic floor. And your muscles, they're going to be all stretched out. They're not going to work very well right after that baby comes out. And it, it feels like your brain and your muscles can't communicate very well. You're telling your pelvic floor to do something and it just doesn't want to do it. And you just have to give yourself some grace, give yourself some time. Things are going to heal. And recognize that hormones play a big role. So if you are um, you know, over the whole year, your hormones are still kind of wild. And then there's nursing and there's hormones with that. So kind of take a breath, give yourself some time, let all those hormone cycles kind of work themselves out and things are going to be great. But here's some, here's some things that I think are helpful right in that postpartum um, phase. You want to make your poop really soft and you can do this in any way that has worked for you in the past, any way that you feel good about. So some options are a stool softener. Staying really hydrated is important. Um, there's a product called Miralax that I really like. It's not a laxative. It um, draws water into your stool and it's not habit forming. So that can be a really good product or just a lot of prune juice, like whatever is your thing. But be ready before you go to the hospital and know what your plan is going to be. And you're, you're hoping for like chocolate pudding, like seriously, because it's going to be scary when you're trying to poop that first time. Um, and if, if there has been a tear or you do have hemorrhoids, like the softer it is, the less scary it's going to be. Have your spray. There's going to be a spray that is a numbing spray. That's a key thing. And get yourself a squirt bottle. It'll give you one at the hospital if you, if you have a hospital delivery. It's called a peri bottle. Or you could just use any squirt bottle because some rough toilet paper is not going to feel great right off the bat. And then lots of baths. So that can be a full bath or it can be just a couple inches in water. And even if you have had a tear or even if you have hemorrhoids and there's gonna, you're still going to be bleeding, get in that tub. That water is so healing and it's a great thing that you can do for your body. So that's kind of the, the nuts and bolts for right after you have a baby. But I'd like to talk about four kind of issues that can, can crop up in that postpartum and then going on phase. And these are some kind of hot button issues that I think are, they're kind of, you see them on, on Instagram right now. So the four big things that I want to talk about are prolapse, diastasis, that's that abdominal separation, leaking pee, and sex. So these are kind of the last big four things that I, that I want to touch on. So starting with prolapse. Prolapse is a shifting down of your organs, and it, it will shift towards your vaginal opening, and it feels like heaviness, and it feels like pressure. I had a patient say once, I feel like a grocery, a paper grocery bag with a wet bottom and everything's just about to fall out. And prolapse is super, super, super common. So if you have a vaginal delivery, 80% of women are going to have some prolapse. And it sounds way scarier than it is. It's 
um, not something that turns into something horrible. It doesn't turn into cancer. It's, but it can be uncomfortable. So if you are someone that's feeling that downward pressure, I want you in the Kegel camp. I want you doing strengthening to help get more lift. And then also you got to give yourself some, some grace. If, if you just had your baby, there's an 80% chance you have a little prolapse and it's going to get better and it's, you're going to be back to normal kind of once you go through the, the wave of hormones and get, get active again. So if, if your symptoms are more severe, come see a pelvic floor physical therapist. But it is, um, I, want you, I want you to leave thinking, all right, if I hear the word prolapse, it's going to be fine. This is not a big scary thing. So next thing diastasis or diastasis recti, you can say it either way, or you can call it a, an abdominal separation. And this is the thing that's like blowing up on my Instagram feed right now. It is everywhere. And it, there's so many rules about what you can do and what you shouldn't do. And it's like the end of the world. But this is another thing that's not as big and scary as social media makes you think. So this, your ab muscles come together at midline and they're connected with some fascia. So fascia just means connective tissue. That's just where they meet up. So a separation that makes me think like the walls of the Grand Canyon, like a slit. And that's not really what it's like. So that turns out what's really happening is more like if you think of cotton candy and you pull cotton candy apart and it kind of stretches and uh, I mean it separates but it's still connected that's more what diastasis is really like so if you think that you might have diastasis the way that you would check is you lay down on your back and you put your fingers you squish them right at your belly button or maybe a little bit above and then you lift your head up and see if it feels like you're pooching down into the Grand Canyon or if it feels like you're just pushing on your belly. If you are squishing, squishing, squishing down into the Grand Canyon, I want you to be seeing a pelvic PT to work on what exercises are gonna give you the most bang for your buck. And then the name of the game is drawing in, working on cinching up that corset. If you lift your head up and you feel tension, that's good. So tension is what gives our, our body that structural integrity. So your abs can be farther apart than they used to be, but if you have a fascia bridge, if you have that cotton candy there still linking things up, everything's good. Like you still want to work on your strength so that you can be you know, more upright in this world, um, but it's not as dire as the internet makes you think and twisting around and you know giving your kid the thing in the back seat of the car that's going to be fine nothing bad is going to happen with you moving your body the only thing that's an, a no-no if you're someone with diastasis is crazy big sit-ups like if you were on a big exercise ball and you're doing big full range that's just that's too much but anything else is going to be fine all right that's the scoop on that Leaking. So two big types. There's stress incontinence. So that's the coughing, sneezing type. That's the jumping on the trampoline type. For those folks, 
You got to work on your strength. You got to do the Kegel regimen and you got to get the timing down. So if you feel that tickle in your nose, the big sneeze is coming, you got to do your squeeze right before. We call that the knack because when you get the knack, you're going to leak a lot less. And having a baby um, or having a surgery, those type of things, you can kind of lose that timing and you got to retrain it. You got to get the knack back. So it's, it's not a very um, complicated problem. You just got to be on the Kegel bandwagon and you got to stick with it for four to six weeks to start to feel like, yeah, I'm getting that strength back, getting my oomph back. Urgency is a whole nother beast. And it's one of my favorite, my favorite things to treat. Um, I want every single one of you to be able to make it two hours between peas. And this is even if you're drinking all the coffee and all the wine, I want you to be able to make it two hours. And this is the same for your kids too. So, you know, that like, we're going out the door, pee now. They want them to be able to make it two hours because that's a, um, your bladders can handle that. And that's a really functional amount of time. If you want to watch a movie, I want you to be able to make it through the whole movie without having to get up. I want you to be able to drive down to Sacramento without having to make a pee stop. So if you are someone and you're feeling that urge to go and you know it's not two hours, it's only been 20 minutes, what I want you to do, take a breath, kind of give yourself a pep talk, say, okay, I'll do this, I can do this. And then I want you to do three strong kegels and they tell your bladder to chill out. It's your body's built-in mechanism to calm down that bladder muscle. Your bladder is a muscle and it's your own like dimmer switch for the bladder. So you do those three squeezes and you say, okay, I'm not going to do it. And you will be shocked how much more control you, you have. You, if you start getting tough, I think in two weeks you can be a new woman. If you're one of those like every, every five minutes pee kind of people. All right. So last big topic for the postpartum timeline, sex. So you had your baby and there's this magical number, the six week mark. So according to the world at six weeks, you should be able to go back to having sex and it's going to be great. That number is totally made up. There's no research behind that. Someone just said it once and now the whole world says it. But I want you to kind of take a deep breath and know that maybe you're going to feel rip-roaring to go at four weeks, party on, or maybe it's going to be a few months for you or a year. And that's all okay. And you just got to do what is going to work for your body. So the timeline is out the door. Next thing, it, is, it can be important to start to mobilize those tissues. So if you had a tear and things are kind of crazy down there, it's some of the same things that we talked about during that third trimester of pregnancy. So getting the lube out, getting in the bath, using your finger, finding where maybe your tear was and doing a little bit of stretching. And I know it's, it's going to sound kind of like creepy and don't want to touch it. It's part of your body. It's an important part of your body. You got to give it some like positive vibes get that moving. And that's something that you can do on your own. It's something that a, a pelvic physical therapist can help you with. And it's something that a partner could help you with too. And it's just like, you know, if you're going to run a marathon, you're not just going to like 
do the whole marathon the first time, there's going to be some baby steps along the way. So mobilizing your tissues can be um, part of that process. Making sure that you are relaxing your muscle. So we've talked about how the pelvic floor grips to keep things in. Well, you want to relax to be able to let something go in there. So whether we're talking a penis or sex toy or fingers or whatever it is, making sure that you're breathing, trying to keep things soft and squishy like bread dough. That's the goal there. Lube is going to be super important because your hormones are crazy. Things just aren't the same. So that lube could be whatever you used before. It could be coconut oil. I like using slippery stuff. That's a brand you can find on Amazon that's um, really gentle. There's nothing weird in it. Um, but lots of lube. Stop and reapply if you need to. Lube is your friend. And then I think also broadening your definition of what sex is. So we think that um, penetrative intercourse is like the peak of some py pyramid. And that's like the top and that's the thing that we're all working towards. But that's baloney. It's like whatever you think sex is, is sex. And I want it to feel good to you. And it's, it's all sex. There's no like hierarchy. So you find your thing. I want it to feel good. Go for it. So last section here. Pelvic floor health program. What should you be doing? So if you are someone who doesn't have pelvic pain, doesn't have constipation issues, you think things are all right down there, I want you doing kegels. So if you are not a leaker, if things are pretty good, I want you doing 10 10 second holds and 10 one second holds one time a day. So those long holds are for endurance. Those are that, you know, I want to jump on the trampoline contractions. And then your quick ones are for, I got to lift up my 30 pound toddler muscle. Got to have that quick, strong contraction. And you'll do those once a day. So 10, 10 second holds, 10, one second holds once a day. If you are leaking when you cough and sneeze or go to the mailbox, or you're just feeling like, you've got your quarantine body going on and need to like kick it in high gear, you should be doing them two, maybe three times a day. And it will take you two minutes. It doesn't take a lot of time, but it's more about that consistency. No more than three times a day though. Like you don't want to be gripping all the time and you have to relax all the way in between. That's super key. I want all you guys thinking about your bowel health, health because your bowels, or right next door to your bladder. They're so, so, so related. They're neighbors. So I'm a big fan of using a step stool in the bathroom. So a squatty potty. And there's now one at the nest that you can all enjoy that I brought. So something like a squatty potty or any step stool that you have is going to help you relax your pelvic floor to let poop out. Stool consistency is also really important. So I want you to have soft stool so that you don't have to strain. There's a lot of different things you can do. What we talked about in the um, postpartum section, just get your, get your tools and stay on top of it. Uh, that could be fiber, water, Miralax, prunes, whatever your, whatever your thing is. It's important to work on some core strength as well. So pelvic floor is the bottom of your core. Your abs are the front of your core. So doing some abdominal and pelvic floor exercises 
are a really great thing to help you feel healthy and strong and be able to stay upright against gravity. So some classics are something like a, we call it a femur arc. So you're on your back and your toes touch like this. That's femur arc. A dead bug is another one. So again, you're on your back and then your legs stretch out like this. And you could go on YouTube and all these are going to pop right up. So dead bug. There's your good old classic crunches. Fingertips behind your head, crunching up. And you're thinking about drawing in. So no rising bread dough, no diastasis belly. You're thinking about pulling up and in. And I love a good old plank. So that works like every muscle you've got. So planks, planks are beautiful. So in closing, what I want for you all is to feel like you are the boss of your bladder. I want you to feel like you can hold your bladder and pee when you want to pee. I want for you guys poop to be easy. I want it to just happen. I don't want you to have to be freaked out or strained. I want it to be easy. And I want you to be able to participate in whatever pleasurable sexual activity you want. And I want it to feel good. So if you're thinking this is something that you're struggling with, um, these are things that you can work on. It, these are common issues, but that doesn't mean they're normal. And a pelvic physical therapist can help. So reach out if um, some of these are sounding familiar to you. And with that, I want you to be active, powerful women and moms. And I'd love to open things up for questions. Thank you, Chelsea. It was so informative. You're welcome. I bet I'm, I bet I'm not alone. The only one over here thinking about Kegels. Trying uh -huh. to practice that. Trying to think uh -huh. when was the last time. Right, y'all? Mm -hmm. That's a great reminder. Someone told me once to do it every to do it when you're at a red light. I think that's good, but I want more variety too because mm -hmm. I want you to be able to use your muscles in whatever position you're in. Mm -hmm. So sometimes sitting, sometimes standing, sometimes mm -hmm. laying down because life happens in all those different positions. So variety is good. I've never even thought of Kegels lying down. Yeah. Hey, and oh, I didn't mention Kegels lying down, like that goes hand in hand with like the pleasurable sex life thing. Like that can feel good for the, okay. the, the lady. That can feel good for the partner. That's like, okay. yeah, add that to your list. Okay. Um, thanks for all those great reminders. Does anyone have a question? So you are welcome to unmute yourself and ask a question or you're also invited just to remind you all this is being recorded only audio only, not the, not the video. So don't worry. Um, so you can also chat your question to me and I'm happy to read it out to everyone. We would love to hear from you. I have a question. Mm-hmm. Hi, uh, thank you so much. This was so helpful and informative. Um, I was wondering if doing the Kegel um, exercises and having a strong pelvic floor helps with the pushing phase of um, delivery. No. So you got to be able to relax. That's the opposite of a Kegel. So it, I want you doing Kegels while you're pregnant so that you don't have as many leaks and so that things maintain some tone but they're not going to help you with the pushing at all you want the opposite you want the letting go just think i'm trying to poop poop out that baby which is the opposite of a kegel 
That makes sense. Mm-hmm. I have a question. Mm-hmm. Um, this is Hannah, and I have a nine-month-old son. And overall, I'm feeling pretty well in my body. And uh-huh. I started doing like a little bit of exercise that was prescribed by my chiropractor, just really simple, like sit-ups and such. And I've also been doing like a lot of outdoor, like physical mm-hmm. labor. And mm-hmm. I noticed myself just having a fear around like my pelvic floor or around mm-hmm. my abdomen. And I'm just wondering like, what's the recommendation around exercise after birth? So you can do a lot. So I, I love that you're out there in the world exercising. I like that you're doing some abdominal exercises, it sounds like you're totally on the right track. So things that would um, tell me that you're overdoing it could be you're having pain or you're leaking urine while you're exercising or if there's any bleeding. But if your body is feeling good, go to town. I mean, even, you know, folks that want to run, you can run. You can do all, you can do all the stuff. I did notice one day um, I was pickaxing and I leaked mm-hmm. a little bit for the first time yeah. ever, uh-huh. um, but I haven't since then. Mm-hmm. So good to go. Yeah. So yeah. So pickaxing, especially in our, if you're in Nevada County, our dirt is like the hardest, most <laughs> difficult thing ever. I've, I've done the pickaxe. Um, it's just super, super, super tough. And one little leak while you're doing that, I think you're totally killing it with that nine month old. You're doing great. I would say, keep doing what you're doing. If you are getting into pickaxe power woman phase, you're going to squeeze your muscles. You're going to be pickaxing. You're doing it. You're doing it. Your pelvic floor is getting tired. You're going to rest, take a breather, and then you're going to do it again, getting that squeeze and going to town. But one little leak with pickaxing once you're doing fine. And you know, the hormone thing is still going crazy. So maybe, um, you were just having a crazy hormone day where it was a little bit harder for your brain to tell your pelvic floor to kick it into high gear, but that's, you know, you're still in the, you're still riding the ride. So things are going to get more controlled. Mm-hmm. I have a question. Um, thanks, Chelsea. I am 35 weeks pregnant, and I wondered uh-huh. um, on those exercises, the dead bug, the plank, the crunches, yeah. what can I be doing still at 35 weeks? Do I keep going all the way until I give birth, or what's the safety of doing those exercises in the third I trimester? Those are just going to feel like too much right now. I think those, those are too much. Oh, man, you are so close to the end. Just keep swimming. You're doing great. I think at the 35 week mark, out or is this your first child or your yeah your first, first child? Okay. Mm-hmm. So my best advice now is pack your bags, have your stool softeners ready, <laughs> and do your stretching. So go do your cat cow. Do your child's pose. You can do exercises where you're laying on your side and you're lifting your top leg like a little clam shell. You just Mm got to like take a breather and relax. You can do some kegels. Doing your kegels lying down will be like nice and gentle right now. Um, That's that's the kind of program you're on right now. Just enjoy enjoy this special time that you're in. You're, You're nesting and then there'll be time for all this stuff. Okay. Go on a walk. Go on a walk. Yeah. 
and I'm beginning in the pool. The pool feels really yes. good. Oh yeah. yeah. There you go. That's like, that's amazing. You have a pool. That's, that's the ticket right there. Yeah. Thanks. Mm -hmm. Any other questions for Chelsea? I have a question. Uh-huh. This is Sarah. Um, have you heard of that app that you can pay for every mother? Uh-huh. Like the core compressions and they have you do a Kegel with your core compressions? Mm -hmm. um, what do you think about that? So I'm not super familiar with it. I haven't done it. Um, okay. But I have heard great things about that program from pelvic physical therapists and that idea of doing your pelvic floor contraction while you're doing abdominal work, it makes perfect sense to me. You know, the pelvic floor okay. is the bottom of the core, the mm -hmm. abs are the front of the core. So doing those together, that's what our bodies do in the real world. So I, I think that's, I think that's awesome. That's a program okay. that um, I can, I can get behind, but I think in general, People are more scared than I want them to be. Um, I think that that's a good program, but I think that getting in the pool, like we talked about earlier, and going on walks and being with your kids, there's a lot more. Um, the rest of the world isn't scary, I should say. That's, that's what I want right. to say. I want to like expand people's options, but that is one of many great ways to exercise safely. Okay, cool. And thank you. That was really um, informative. Good. I'm glad you enjoyed it. We have time for one more question, if there's any more out there. Chelsea? I have another question. Um, mm -hmm. Just about what I've heard from some moms is using some sort of, um, you know, uh, scarf uh -huh. to band their belly to prevent. Mm -hmm. I just wondered your opinion about that. I don't think it's a major game changer. I think it can feel nice, um, but it's not a magical fix. So the muscles that we want to strengthen and the muscles that we need to, to let heal, so we got to like take a minute to let everything just kind of settle back in, that's all really deep. So anything that you're strapping on on the outside, it doesn't, it's not going to really it might like remind you to chill out a little bit, but as far as like helping bring the separated muscles back together, there's no evidence behind that. Um, you could, you know, what I would say, if, if you want to give that a go, like go to Facebook marketplace and try to get something cheap or get like an ACE bandage from the drugstore and give that a go. But I would not spend $75 on some fancy thing that, I mean, it might feel nice. If you have a, a C-section, that might feel more like you're protected. So that could be a reason. But they might, they might give you something at the hospital for free if, you're, if that's something that happens. Um, but yeah, not, not magic. Okay. Look, for, look for one that's cheap or free. <laughs> Thanks. Chelsea, can you tell everyone how to find you if they want to uh, yeah. meet up with you? So you can go to my website. It's ponderosapt.com. You can book an appointment from my website if you are a cash pay patient. I do take some major insurances and you can have your OBGYN 
send me a referral. You can have your midwife send me a referral and we can get going. And even during this pandemic, I, I am open and we do hand sanitizer and masks and all, all the things that you do. There's no waiting room. So it's just you and me and my space. Uh, and I would love to see you. Great. Thank you so much for sharing and thanks mm -hmm. for joining us today. And thank all of you for joining us this evening. Um, we will have more presentations coming up. We're meeting with a therapist soon who's going to talk about baby proofing our, your relationship, right? So that's something to start thinking about if you're pregnant or even if you're postpartum. It's still there's some things we can think about to strengthen our relationships as we become parents. Um, we'll be talking with an Ayurvedic specialist who's going to talk to us about maternal nutrition, both pregnancy and postpartum, and also even just planning a pregnancy and things you can think about for your diet. Um, and we have some other exciting experts joining us soon as well. So stay tuned for more information about those. This recording will be available soon on our website. If you want to recommend it to anyone, we appreciate that support. Thanks again so much. You've been listening to The Nest on Tap. For more talks about pregnancy and parenting, visit us online at thenestnevadacity.com, on Facebook at The Nest Family Resource, and on Instagram at thenest.nc.